0: All right, so we're talking Season uh, 5, Episode 13, The Masterpiece Society. And this episode was recommended by our friends over at womenatwarp.com, the Women at Warp podcast. And you should check it out. Women at Warp is a twice-monthly podcast where four women talk about Star Trek, its representations of women, contributions of women behind the scenes, and other, friend fra- and other fun Trek topics. And they were nice enough to recommend this episode. So check out their podcast, uh, womenatwarp.com or find it on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts. And this episode opens a Moab 4 with a stellar core fragment, which looks pretty cool. Big blue ball. And they kind of talk like uh, there's like, uh, they're doing scans. I think the Enterprise got stuck just following uh, this core fragment through the universe. So... Okay, that would be a boring job, but they find, they say, well, we got somebody like life signs down on this planet in some sort of environment and wharfs hailing them, but they're not listening. They say, geez, did a, pl- did a ship go down here or what? And then Jordy's like, hey, it looks like they uh, have some kind of old subspace relay. And they say, okay, okay, use those lower bands, uh, like AM or FM or something, and Picard says, geez, it's John Luke. Call me back. And then they put up a shield. Uh, and Riker says, well, that's not nice. And Riker, Picard says, well, geez, we're not doing anything. We've just got this stellar core coming on through. It's going to uh, mess up gravity and, and tectonic action. And then this guy, Aaron, pops up on screen. Meanwhile, there's like another guy. It's like a FaceTime moment, and there's... Uh, but there's this guy pacing in the background the whole time who's, like, ends up as their, like, uh, Supreme Court. It is urgent. What else we got here? Oh, we mean no harm. But I, I said Picard would have said, it like, uh, Ronald Moore, like, this is fracking important about this fragment. Uh, but he didn't say that, but I put it in there. would pay fracking attention. Uh, but then the guys walk around in the background. Then we see like three more extras. Uh, and then they go back. The guy says, well, I don't know. He goes, we're fine. He goes, we got a, we got a shield and we're, we're, we're a sealed off environment. No, nothing will bother us. And then Riker goes, Mr. Data drop some science on them. And Data drops the science and says, you know, you're not going to do it, uh, uh, which they say we well, you got to evacuate, and then the guy in the background's glaring. And goes, and that that's when he says, "We're sealed in here." And right, Riker or goes, we're, "We're capable of matter energy transport," and they're like, "What? Holy moly!" And but the uh, the Supreme Court guy doesn't like it, and they say, "Well, we'll send Riker and crew to check it out." Uh, also, they're dressed in the '80s, like almost like the '80s fashion was the uh, the society decided that was what was modern, uh, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But uh, and then this guy Aaron, his inflection and uh, his manner of speaking is very Peter Baelish like. And then the episode opens. Then that nervous guy, uh, the Supreme Court guy, Martin. He's talking about the dangers of introducing people into their society. There's a lot of modern sculptures. Uh, then they find out that this is an engineered society, and everyone from the enterprise is like, what? Like, WTF? Like, holy cow, really? You know, like, we selectively choose people. And, and, uh, and they say, no, 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 not in a discriminatory way. You know, just discriminatory against genes and DNA, Like we're totally nice people and everyone's like, but Troy kind of finds it interesting because they think they're involved, evolved, but they still need zippers and they have things with collars, but they're in a climate controlled environment and their clothing's layered, which I would say is evolved for comfort in a controlled climate controlled environment because you say, okay, just keep it at 68 or 65. Or 60, and then you layer your clothes. I'd say 60 would be my vote, but I know that's a little bit low. But then you say layer your clothes. Uh, but I don't know if, like, uh, you're involved. Why do you need zipper What's with the collar? Because you think they wouldn't have, like, cross breezes unless you wanted. Uh, but let's see. Then they still need zippers. Uh, 745 was funny. Right, they have this modern sculpture it's seven minutes and forty five seconds Riker really looks over the sculpture like twice and it's just this modern abstract sculpture he, like looks at it then he looks more it really that's like one of the highlights of the episode uh then they like martin says which well, just we're all like engineered for our roles uh, like when martin when no Aaron says that when A- martin leaves. And he was engineered to be like like a strict, like interpreter of our uh, constitution more or less. And so he's very strict, uh, you know, what is that called? By the book guy. Uh, so he doesn't, you know, he doesn't think any, he doesn't care if we're going to get uh, fragmented by a star fragment. He says, you know, we got to stick with uh, what the founders believed. And Aaron says, uh, well, but I was, you know, I'm here, I'm i I'm a politician, you know, I know how to smooth things out. And Troy says, obviously you do. And she says it in this smug way and even Riker picks up on it. And then they go back and forth and then you even see Aaron and Troy kind of share another moment and then they go into the lab with Hannah Bates, uh, who's their head engineer and, uh, Jordy and Troy are in there and they're talking to her and Jordy, Jordy's like, well, okay, I'm going to meet with her and get an idea of the engineering. And Riker goes, okay, this is at 940. Riker goes, okay, uh, uh, Troy and I are going to head back, Jordy. And I think this has happened to all of us at a party at some time in one relationship in our wives' lives where the other person it's time to leave the party, say, hey, let's get out of here. The party's over and they're kind of flirting with someone. And maybe it's like, like you never know, but they say, no, no, I think I'll stay. And Troy says that maybe it's your, you know, someone you're not in a relationship anymore, but it still burns in this case. That's kind of what I got. Uh, he says, uh, what happened? She, she says, no, I think I'll stay here. And he gets this look on his face. Uh, and then he goes enterprise one to beam up. And it was just one of the greatest moments of my entire life. Uh, I even put holy hell, uh, because, you know, Riker says hell every episode. He said it this one, but that was earlier. I missed it. Like, why the hell do they got a shield if they're... But he said it like both pissed and amused, like Riker would, because he's so smooth. He plays the trombone. So, I mean, obviously, he's got things moves that I'm even unaware of. Yeah. but that was just a great, great moment. Then uh, Aaron and Troy are in the garden talking subtext. She goes, I hope my presence won't be disruptive. Don't want to throw you off your balance. And he goes, the damage is done. And they go, she goes, well, what do you do about unexpected stuff? And he goes, well, we're engineered. You know, some things, small things have come up. But for the most part, you know, we run pretty well. You know, if we didn't, and he goes, it's pretty boring, right? It's pretty dull. And Troy laughs when he says "dull," like it's the most charming thing she's ever heard. You know, I don't have a like, like I, I really like uh, like the characters on the show. So like Troy and Crusher and Tasha, like, like, like but I don't have a crush on anybody. So, so, but I could say like, if if she likes this guy who's charming and dull, like I'm just dull. So, maybe she might like me, but I like, uh, like, uh, I don't know. I have too much respect for these characters. I just don't have a crush on any Star Trek characters. Uh, no, no, no. Any of those characters I just mentioned. Uh, but this is also when we see this, uh, like, uh, Connor, Aaron Connor is very, um, and this is when we get the Baelish moment for me because he she says, she's like, uh, I find this all fascinating because uh, I'm a student of human nature. He goes, a student of human nature. And she goes, yeah, I'm the ship's counselor. He goes, oh, no work for you. You know, that's what it, like, a uh, classic line for all therapists is, I don't need therapy. I'm totally, uh, <laughs> she, she, she just lets it slide by. And she goes, she's, said like she he goes, you wouldn't be needed here. And she goes, oh, well, really, I'd book my next vacation here just to observe, uh, if you had a hotel, and he goes, well, we don't have a hotel, but I'll build one. You know, very Bayless, she says, well, I have to build one. I don't know, I I thought it was funny. And then we have Jordi and Hannah talking about tetrawise and plasma cores, and then they have an idea about using a multi-phase tractor beam uh, to kind of push the fragment away. So then they have a meeting with everybody, and they say, well, Hannah would have to go to the Enterprise and so they argue about that and then Aaron says, Well you can go, Hanna. And Troy's gonna go with Hanna and Geordie back to the ship. She goes, May I return later? And he says, I look forward to it, my dear. Uh then Geordie and Troy and Hanna go up, and then there's an ad. Uh then on the Enterprise, uh, Troy and Picard are having this like very dark Earl Grey tea. And that's when we have this opening, you know, that they talked about the opening where Picard kind of says, geez, they've turned a dubious scientific endeavor into a dogma. And she goes, you don't approve of it? He goes, this isn't a bad idea. It's time long past. Uh, Troy says, it's going well. And he goes, no, no, no. They've given away their humanity. He goes, the things they're trying to get rid of, self-discovery, unknown, those are the qualities that make life worth living. He goes, you know, you, like we're made of mistakes. Uh, hint, hint, hint. And Troy says, well, geez, I'm just trying to figure it out. And he goes, this counter. he seems like a reasonable guy. She goes, oh, yeah, I find him very, this is funny. She goes, I find him very reasonable, open to suggestions, thoughtful, quite disarming, the perfect uh, uh, administrator. I put subtext for a lover because that's really what they're talking about. And he goes, really, you admire him? She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he cares about his people and Picard says, well then hopefully if he's a good leader, he'll make the right decision and people will follow him. Uh, then we have Hannah and Jordy down, uh, talking about, uh, uh, Jordy's blindness and the idea of genetic manipulation and that some genes are better than others. And Jordy says, well, I'm just doing just fine. I don't need to like, uh, like, I don't like, this is who I am. I'm a human being. And, uh, like, that that's it. Like, uh, some of my parts are greater than the whole or the greater, whatever. He goes, you guys think you're such great stuff. Uh, he goes, picking and choosing your genes. And then she, they try to change the subject. She says, well, how does your spectrum work, like your uh, visor work? And by changing it, like changing the subject, then Jordy says, well, that gives me a great idea. We could use the technology in my visor. To, with the tractor beam to keep it from overloading. And he says, oh, that's perfect. You know, total irony that uh, my visor will be the one that saves your perfectly genetically engineered society. No offense intended, but it's sweet, sweet irony. Uh, then we're back on the planet. It's date night on the planet. Uh, and this prodigy's having this recital. It seemed I mean, I guess to me, I wouldn't have fit in there anyway, but this was like his date night. Everyone's sitting on these uncomfortable benches and stuff. Just listening to this kid play piano with no other stimulation. And uh, like, uh, it couldn't, I, I thought it looked terribly uncomfortable for me. Also, every, a lot of people there have feathered hair, not everybody, but it, I always like wondered what feather hair was. It's the kind of thing you can see it, you know, when you see it, but I always was like, doesn't it just mean you're combing your hair backwards? Like why you got to call it feathered? You Know someone with fur instead of hair it was a difficult subject for me as a child, but I always said, Well, it's not feathered, it's just combed backwards. What are you calling it feathered for? It, you know, I get it, get on my nerves, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, then Baelish uh, Aaron rolls out with, oh, there's a little quake, and so then he says, Keep playing, but I'm going to take a walk outside with Troy. And they go into this fern obs, uh, obs, uh, like, uh, observatory, and Troy says, she's lovely here, and they're looking out the window outside of the, like, a uh, base, it's like a desert, and he goes, yeah, it's sad we're going to lose it, and she goes, why don't you just rebuild somewhere, and then they, they didn't get this totally, he says, well, he talks about the Humpty Dumpty nursery rhyme. Which I said, well, why would your parents tell you that if you're perfect? Humpty Dumpty, like, they share a moment, though, because he says, Humpty Dumpty, blah, blah, blah. And then they say, it put, it fell off the wall, broke, and they put them back, to, tried to put them back together again, but they couldn't. Or whatever the proper Humpty Dumpty is. And they say, why do we tell kids weird fairy tales? And uh, Troy says, to prepare them for times like these. Uh, and he goes, uh, fragile as an egg and impossible to reconstruct, just like our society. And she goes, geez, I wish I could help. He goes, well, you have been help. You've been my counselor. And Troy goes, counselor like, indicates uh, professional distance. I'd rather think we're friends. And he says, this is total bail. She goes, friends? That won't do either. And then he gives her a kiss. He says, will it? And she goes, Aaron. And he goes, I must confess, uh, you know, that if I thought you know, about leaving, if we have to leave then knowing you'd be on the other side, it would be pretty sweet. And then he kisses her again and she says, this is wrong. And I couldn't tell if he said, uh, he either says terribly wrong or certainly wrong. And then kiss, they start to really kiss. Then there's a commercial. So everybody could get a tall, cold glass of water. Then we see Jordy and Hannah talking to Picard and Riker about the visor breakthrough, a 300% increase in efficiency. Riker's like, that's not enough. And then they said, well, we'll fix the shields up, too. Need about 50 engineers down there. Uh, Then we go back down to the plant. There's, like, this overhead shot of Troy playing notes on a piano for a little while. And, like, we see that they're shard cross lovers. I thought that was funny. star shard cross lovers, uh, Troy and Aaron. Is that it there? Yeah, I guess because they talk, like, about... uh, that last night was a bad idea, and Troy says it shouldn't have happened, you know. And obviously we are Starshard Cross lovers, because I couldn't, and then he says, well, if we leave the planet, we could probably go out. And she goes, you know, you no, this isn't this is a bad idea. I'm going back to the ship. Uh, and then as soon as they say that, then Hannah and Jordy show up, and they say, We're bring, we need to bring 50 people down to fix the shield. And, uh, they say, what do you think, Aaron? And he goes, is there no, any other choice? They say, nope. And then he goes, all right. Queenie, oh, then there's a little mini cake. tries bent. I don't know. Maybe that says transport. Then Aaron walks off and then Troy has a sad look and, but stern. Then there's captain's log. Uh, 'cause cause it's the big day. The fragment move. And he says, you may proceed, Mr. LaForge. Uh, and then they need more power, so they reduce the life support to minimum. And then they, uh, they're like, they trying to increase the power of beam. Then life support goes down. And then they move the shard 1.01 off course. That's not enough, not yet. They lose two emitters. Uh, then there's down to like 15 seconds of life support. Then five seconds, then 1.18, and then no, and then... Uh, they're not there yet, and uh, Picard says, Mr. LaForge, he goes, yes, sir. But then they got it, 1.2, they got it. So they call back, and they're like, success, Mr. Conner. He goes, geez, I can't express my appreciation. He goes, it's Hannah there, to, and he goes, hey, we look forward to it. When you get back, we're really honoring you appropriately. And she gets a sad face and crosses her arms and walks off. Then there's another ad, and then there's a Captain's Log supplemental. And Lego uh, said, okay, we got that shard moved. And Riker's like, geez, that should do it. We did great. Uh, this is 30 30. Nothing. What does that mean? I don't Nothing. Oh, he goes, you need anything else? And Aaron says, would you mind telling Deanna Troy, I'm sorry I didn't uh, get a chance to say goodbye? And Riker gives him like this knowing look. He goes, yeah, no problem. I'm sure she'll feel the same way, man. Uh, totally. Then they get a call Oh, there's a breach in the biosphere. And Hannah's like, "Geez, I'm not sure if I could seal it. Uh, And then Jordy says, huh, you mind if I give her a hand? And Hannah's trying everything uh, amazing, something good, amazing good. Uh, But Jordy's kind of standing behind her. And he goes, why are you doing this? And she goes, doing what? We're in trouble here. And he goes, Hannah, Hannah. I have a visor that sees everything, even the smallest crack. You know, we get it like uh, even within your hearts, I see it all. And I'm saying look, these two should have been the two that just got together. I mean, the way that like uh, he sees it, the, the deep on the inside, I can see a crack. Uh, like uh, the, the sunshine needs to come in. Why are you doing this? And she goes, "Well, I was born to be the best, but your technology is just so sweet." Uh, I can't, you know, I can't live back here. And he goes, well, maybe necessity is the mother of invention. You know, when you come up with stuff when you really need it. And she goes, yeah, I feel like I'm the victim of a 200 year old joke. And then we're back on the ship and it'll be, it'll be the staff's meeting. Cause people are asking for asylum or Hannah, Hannah Bates is. And the, sta- the ship staff is like arguing, well, should we give it to him? Shouldn't we? Geordi versus Troy, like free will versus what's best for the colony. And they say, Jeez, well, we've moved. But Kurt says, we may have done enough already. Uh, and he says, maybe it's time for me to go down there and meet Mr. Connor in person. Uh, hey, everybody, this is a little transition between this segment and the next one because uh, the recording. It's so, like the recorder crashed in the middle of the recording, so it covered some ground twice here, but you know, it's uh, sleep time, so you can kind of see, so we're going to rewind uh, just for a second, and then we'll continue on with the episode. All right, so uh, here, uh, here, the next scene here is that uh, Jordy and uh, Hannah, Geordie's uh, tired, and they talk about kind of being like blindness, and how they don't have blindness, and... Uh, has Jordy always been blind? And Jordy says, Jesus, like, uh, you know, good thing I was born on earth. Uh, and Hannah kind of talks about Jesus, uh, like, uh, well, it's just rough being blind. That's what our founders would have thought. And Jordy says, well, you know, I, like, I got something to contribute. And then and, and they change the subject, so they talk about the visor. And how it uh, scans the electromagnetic magnetic scan- spectrum between one hertz and one thousand tetrahertz and converts those frequencies, and transmits them. And then Hannah talks about the data conversion rates, and uh, they talk about compression and sensory overload. It's just interesting. And then they just got an idea, Just geez, what if we use the same idea for the tractor beam to move the stellar core away from your planet? That way it doesn't overload the emitters, because that was what the hang-up was. They were like, well, we don't have the power to push the tractor beam, but Hannah kind of had an idea, so they said, okay, let's try that. And they said, okay, let's do it, that's a great idea. And then Jordy says, a hello, irony alert. That's great if it was my visor that saves your perfect society. No offense. And then uh, we get on to the, back onto the planet. It's date night, and there's this prodigy kid, recital, like it a piano recital. looked to me like a uh, no offense to the kid playing the piano. Or to the people just sitting there on uncomfortable benches, Watching him play the piano because I do love classical music, but this looked terribly like 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 I definitely I mean obviously I would be out on that society anyway, but I mean how could you if I don't know it didn't look like a very pleasant evening but it did seem like it was date night, and it wasn't just the regular people there on dates uh, like but then there's a little oh also a lot of feathered hair. 19, I think this was 1992. So I don't know. Again, the 80s influence. Uh, still not even sure what feathered hair is, but I guess I know it when I see it. And honestly, I still don't like. I remember a couple of my friends saying, "Well, I'm gonna feather." Well, you yeah, see, I feather my sides or what? And I said, "I don't know." I, I guess I didn't. That was back when I was in fur denial. I thought, "Well, maybe, I, maybe what's on my head isn't fur." And one day I'll be able to do these things my classmates do with their hair. Not that I have animal fur. But, uh, so I think, like, like I had some kind like, I would hear what people said when they feathered. Doesn't it just mean freaking comb your hair back? I mean, that's when I never got it. I guess I don't want to mean to be agitated, but it's like, because uh, I'm not really. But doesn't it just mean comb your hair back? What the heck is feathered? Or, like, brush it a lot? I guess that's other thing. In this podcast, I use a lot of extra words. But in my normal life, I say, well, just say you're combing your hair. Why do you got to use feathered? Just say you're combing your hair back. So I guess, like, another reason I wouldn't fit in on this planet, feathered hair. I mean, genetic, they'd say genetically your skull doesn't have human hair follicles. I'd say, right, that's an advantage because it got you to notice, you know, okay, I won't live here. But then the dude rolls out and him and Troy are in the ferns, uh, in like the, uh, the fern area of this planet. And, uh, the point, uh, this point does not make sense really. Oh yeah. Cause let me get to the dialogue. Like they look out the window and Troy's like, geez, what a, like it's lovely in here, but outside of their base, it's like pretty desolate. And the dude's like, geez, I don't want to lose it. And Troy says, can't you rebuild and then I, didn't, I, did, I guess I get it, get it a little bit where the guy tells uh, this nursery rhyme that he heard, which he said, really, uh, you repurpose it, they didn't even repurpose it. They're supposed to be genetically superior. And they just said, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And then they said together, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And they have a laugh. You know, why do we tell these children these stories? And Troy says, to prepare them for times like this. And then he gets, he gets a little, this is when he says, well, Jesus, fragile as an egg, but impossible to reconstruct. That's what we are. We're integrated and refined to such a degree that any fundamental change would lead to chaos, which kind of uh, is a double negative or whatever you want to call it. She says, geez, I'm sorry. I wish there was something to help. And he says, you have. You've been my counselor. And she goes, no, counselor maintains a discreet distance. I think we're friends. And he goes, friends, that won't do either. Then he goes in for kiss number one. And he says, will it? And she says, Aaron. And he says, I must confess, a part of me knows that if I transport for these walls, you'll be on the other side. Uh, talking about when he, you know, if they left. And uh, then he kisses her number two. And he says, she says, this is wrong. And he says, terribly wrong. And, uh, I think he said, certainly wrong. Maybe he said, terribly wrong. Uh, for, and then he goes, kiss, kiss number three, which is very mutual. Then they go to commercial, you know, somebody get a cold glass of water. And then we have Jordy and Hannah, Hannah talking to Riker and Picard about, uh, The visor breakthrough. 300% increase in efficiency. Riker's like, that's not enough. They're like, yeah, but then we can refine the shields. Uh, uh, Then it's the next day, like the morning. You know, morning. uh, And there's an overhead shot of Troy playing on the piano. Just some notes. And it looks down on her for a while. And then Aaron comes out. And we see that it's a star-crossed-lover situation. Because he says, hey, you're up early. She goes, I'm going back to the ship. We can't see each other again. He says, why? And she says, well, it's the right thing to do. And he says, well, Jesus, are you mad? And she goes, yeah, they shouldn't have let this happen. And uh, he says, "Diana." She says, I could fall in love with you, but we can't really do that. And she goes, uh, how would Martin feel about uh, half betas away to DNA and your genetic balance? And I thought this was, I'm not exactly sure the premise delivery on this, but the whole idea that uh, is his judgment fogged by his love and attraction for Troy. I guess they did deliver on the promise of that. Because he says, well, Jesus, if we have to get out of here, you know, we could still date or whatever. And she says, "She's a few days ago you thought we were better than us. She goes, this is my fault. And he goes, well, I need you here. He goes, we don't have, he goes, uh, she goes, I got to go. And then, boom, Jordy and Hannah show up right in time. They say, We got to get 50 engineers down here to fix the shield. It's the only chance we got. And a tries bent. I don't know what that means. And then there's a mini quake. Uh, no other choice. Tries bent. Maybe transport? I don't know. Uh, transport in. Maybe that's what I said. Uh, Then there's a mini-quake. Then Aaron walks off, sadly. Troy has a stern look. And then there's a captain's log. uh, Supplemental. It's a big day. They're going to move the fragment. Picard says, you may proceed, Mr. LaForge. Uh, Then they need more power, so they reduce the life support to minimum. And they must increase it, and their stuff starts to fail. And Han and Geordi are working hard. 1.01, they're not here yet. Uh, then they lose two of the emitters, are down. They have 15 seconds of life support, and they're at 1.18. And then they say, No, no. And then uh, Picard says, Mr. LaForge. He goes, Yes, sir. And then they bring power back online, and they're at 1.2. And they're like, We got it. So we did it. And then they call the colony. They say, Mr. Connor, success. He goes, I can't exp- express my appreciation. He goes, is Hannah able to hear me? And she goes, Yeah, and he goes, I look forward to having you uh honoring you appropriately when you return. And she crosses her arms and makes a sad face and walks away. And uh, then uh, uh there's an ad and then there's a captain's log supplemental, you know, we move to the shard. Uh Riker's finishing up on the planet, Riker's like, All right, that should do it, and then the crew starts to leave, uh and he goes, Is there, there's uh, nothing else, huh? And then this thirty, thirty uh left, and then the alarm goes off, and they say, oh, no, wait, first counter says, hey, by the way, uh, thanks for your help. Uh, could you uh, tell Deanna Troy I'm sorry? I didn't have the opportunity to say goodbye personally. Riker gives him this knowing. He goes, I'm sure she'll feel the same way. He gives him this knowing look. Uh, then... Uh, then uh, I'm sure she'll feel the same way. Thirty thirty, that was. Yeah. Then there's a breach in the biosphere, and Hanna's not sure if they could seal it. And Jordy's like, "Huh, that's interesting. Mind if I give you a hand?" And then Hanna's trying to do all this work, and Jordy's kind of looking over his shoulder. He goes, "Yeah, that's amazing. Great." Uh, he goes, "Why are you doing this?" And she goes, What do you mean? He goes, he goes Hannah, I got this visor. I can see everything, even the smallest crack, is subtech city, crack all the way on you deep inside within your heart. And he goes, Why are you doing this? She goes, She says, after seeing your tech, I can't even. She goes, Ours is so weak. I can't. Uh, I was born to be the best uh, engineer. And since you've been here, I realize that, you know, we're living in this uh, thing. And they say, maybe the necessity really is the mother of invention. When you really need it, you figure this kind of stuff out. And she says, I guess we're the victims of a 200 year old joke. And then we cut back to the ship, and Ricard's talking about asylum uh, that, that Hannah's asked for asylum. And then they say, Well, why shouldn't, you know, they're, they're, it's like uh, all, all the top level crews going back and forth about what they should do. And Jordy's like, yes, but then they're talking, Troy's kind of like, well, what's free will versus what's best for the colony? And Picard says, well, we may have done too much to help them already. And he said, I think it's time for me to meet this Mr. Connor. Now, this is Aaron Connor, remember, not John Connor. I also, this scene, Wharf. I, I, I think I need a personal Wharf because Wharf raises his hand. He goes, why don't we just help them? Like he always uh even when he's speaking normally, a lot of times he raises his voice in an aggressive way. And that really tends, tends to kind of like, I like it get a, like I I need someone to help me like with that. Well, she's like, this is just how I say things through. And I say, okay, like if Worf did that all the time, maybe I would get adjusted to when other people raise their voice. And then I like say, well, I need to switch on my ENA authority emitter beams, uh, So anyway, then uh, Riker and Troy are on the lift. Uh, This was a good scene. And uh, Troy says, stop the lift. And she goes, Captain, i got to tell you something. I've used poor judgment, unprofessional. And Picard says, what is it, Counselor? Take a deep breath. And she said, Connor and I have a relationship. And on relationship, uh, there's like this, uh, this Picard grimace and swallow. She goes, she said, he goes, I see. And she goes, yeah, it should have never happened. It was, uh, it should have been, I should have thought about it. And he goes, what is your status now? And she goes, I don't tend on seeing him again. Uh, and he has this thoughtful eye movement during that point. And he goes, well, do you now want to come? She goes, no, no, no. I think I should go along, uh, but I wanted you to know. He goes, all right. She goes, and she said, we just wanted to help, uh, And Picard says, again, he reflects this, you know, his ideas, which are kind of the positive ones. He goes, we went into this with the best intentions. We all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. That's what being human's all about. Thanks, thanks, John Luke. So let's see. Then we're back on the planet. They're debating there, the big three people from the planet, Hannah, Martin, and Connor. Notice they didn't have any elders. I don't know if that's part of their society too like that they didn't talk about, but like everyone like there weren't any elders there to kind of give them any wisdom. Maybe that would have helped uh, again, I'm not running any societies, but uh but they have a debate then Picard and Troy roll and Picard says, let me talk to Mr. Connor. And then Hannah wants to put in her opinion, but uh, her and Martin act a little bit childish, both of them, for people that are superior to me. And then Troy and Hannah go for a walk. Aaron sends Martin out. And he says, Jesus, the Supreme Court guy, he saw this coming. Uh, he goes, I know what Hanna's feeling. Uh, he goes, I was really intrigued by your people too. And I don't know if I used my best judgment and maybe I'd cause some of this problem. And they see, she says, Jeez, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how we fix this. And even Picard says, well, geez, I wish I could see a way to fix this too. And they say, "They go back and forth. They say, well, what are we going to do? I was born to govern it, not dismantle it. And Picard says, well, I got to, you know, keep make keep air on the side of human rights. And like, and Conner says, well, I got to air on the side of the rights of everybody here. He goes, maybe you should just get out of here like like a thief in the night. He goes, like Troy did in the morning. It was in the morning with my heart. Uh, and he goes, well, that's a little sim- simplistic. Uh, he goes, because it's a human rights issue. And they kind, of, they kind of talk about it. And Picard says, well, you're going to have to figure this out. You're the leader. Uh, you know, I don't know. And then so then they have a meeting, a big meeting. Everybody's at the courtyard. And there's chattering and Aaron says, she's okay, here's the deal. You can go, but I'd ask that you stay What does this say? Me Garathas Megarathus. I don't know what the uh but basically even though my handwriting is not clear, they say he he says, What if you just give us six months? Just stay for six months and Picard says, Well it'll give you a chance to weigh the consequences but Hannah's like, No, 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 no way. Would you want to live in a ship in a bottle uh and then they kind of point the fingers again about who's causing pain and anguish. Uh, so I think Hannah says to Aaron, it's time for you to lead us into a new era. And he says, again, like, he doesn't say anything. He says, okay, well, when you, if you decide to return, we'll welcome you with open arms. Uh, like, uh, then Aaron and Troy go for a walk and they kind of review the episode in some sense. He says, geez, I don't have any re- re- regrets. Uh, you know, for falling for you now. But it's going to be interesting picking up the pieces here. And I'm just not just talking about my entire engineered society. I'm also talking about, you know, my heart. And I don't know. He goes, all the, and then he really like, uh like burns her. He says, Jesus, as hard as I try, I can't believe I fell for someone. Uh, you know, I have all these genetically. Uh, uh, Compatible women, but I fall in love with you. He guess this is bad. He goes, uh, "Perhaps it's your inner imperfections which make you so unique." Uh, but I'm in love with you, Deanna Troy, and I always will be. She said, "Thanks a lot." Uh, she, she goes, "By the way, you're supposed to say that in much subtler and surface terms, but it is charming because it is true in some." And that's it. And then uh, Total Burn, I put, uh, I will always love you, like the Whitney Houston song. And then there's a shot of the Enterprise, and Picard's holding a crystal. And Riker comes in. They got 23 people on board. And this was a learning moment. Picard says, if we ever need a reminding of the importance of the prime directives, it's now. And Riker says, well, the prime directive doesn't apply. They're human Bicard says, really? Uh, well, our presence uh, messed it up. He goes, it's, he goes, we have to have responsibility. And Riker goes, we stopped that core fragment. And, I, you know, I also mean more than just a, he goes, a fragment of a heart, too. And he goes, yeah, well, we're just as dangerous as any core fragment. And then they say the lovers of the enterprise, just as dangerous as any core fragment could be. And then the episode comes to a close. All right, so the Prime Directive came up on this episode because I, actually I didn't know that the Prime Directive did not apply to people, humans. So I wanted to learn a little bit about it. And there's a lot of good articles out there that maybe we'll cover over this. But uh, this one's from the Memory Alpha Wiki. Uh, Prime Directive, also known as Starfleet General Order 1, or the Non-Interference Directive, was... Uh, one of the most imo- important ethical pr- principles, non-interference with other cultures and civilizations. Uh, it was a core, it was a philosophical con- concept that uh, personnel should refrain in interfering with uh, natural unassisted development of societies, even if it was well-intentioned. Uh, and uh, it was so fundamental that all Starfleet officers swore to uphold it, even at the cost of you know anything. It's a precursor, though somewhat undefined. It can be traced back to John Arthur's uh, and Phlox's, uh ethical dilemma when they dealt with two spe- species. One that was doing well and one wasn't so, doing so great, and they had to kind of come up with a doctrine that humans, should, like when sh- should it, what should we do when we're out in space interacting with life forms and to not... Uh, Interrupt the national natural evolutionary course. Um, you know, not to play God, basically, and uh, fundamental principles were important part as early as twenty-one fifty-two, but not a general order till twenty-one sixty-eight. So, not that far off. You know, some of you, what is it, twenty-six seventeen? No, oh, maybe not. We, we don't. We don't got to worry about it. Uh, directive remained until the 24th, 24th century, applied to Starfleet, merchant marines, but not regular citizens. It was a complicated order, had 47 suborders, uh, and, but a high-level summary was no identification of self-remission, no interference with the social development of a said planet. I don't understand that. Uh, the directive provided guidance on what considered a prohibited interference. Covering such matters as giving them knowledge of other worlds, uh, providing tech or science, uh, taking actions that would affect their development, uh, taking actions to support one group over another, helping them escape a negative consequences of their own actions, uh, getting them out of natural disasters, Uh, even, uh, hmm, even if it, uh, yeah, uh, subverting or avoiding uh, the application of society's laws that we saw recently at Justice, interfering with internal affairs. And there's a lot more on this uh, thing. There's a couple other articles I found. I'll just go to one tonight because uh, there's a longer one about, uh, about it that we'll use another time. But this one's from Forbes, and it uh, raises the question, uh, Is the Prime Directive Ethical? It was written by Janet uh, Stemwedel. It was from August twentieth, uh, 2015. Uh, Within Star Trek, the Prime Directive is crucial regulation. I'm going to try to paraphrase. How well does it work as an ethical rule? It prohibited interference with other cultures and civilizations. In particular, it's a, it attempted, aimed at preventing interference with the internal development of civilizations, less advanced. Even though Starfleet officers take an oath to uphold the Prime Directive, even if it means sacrifices, it is not involuble, V-I-O-L-A-B-L-E, involuble. Uh, Kirk violated it with regular, regularity and, uh, like, uh, some people would, it strictly adhered to it, but how does it fare as a general approach to ethics of sharing a universe? Uh, the prime directive reflects a consequentialist approach, a commitment to reducing harm and a Kantian commitment to respecting others autonomy. Uh, built into the Prime Directive is an assumption that cultures cultures are better off left to their own devices, devices. Devices could mean social practices or technologies. And the interference by starfleet, even if well-intentioned, it could mess up things in unanticipated ways. And if the culture in question is left to deal with the unintentional consequences, it might be worse than their own free choices. It also embodies an anti-colonialist ethos, a commitment to respecting civilization's values, beliefs, and practices, rather than imposing better ones upon them. Well, so far, I like it uh, very good. Remember, when Star Trek started, it was during Vietnam, uh, the author says. uh, As well as a policy of non-interference reflects a particular attitude to studying other cultures, Namely, you're trying to understand how the culture and its members would behave if observers weren't there. Intervening is presumed to contaminate natural behaviors and authentic casual chains, uh, including indigenous technologies that flow from them. Uh, Note that even observing the culture can interfere with it, which we found out. Uh, this is not quite the same as a measurement problem for quantum mechanics where our own measurements of such systems involve hitting them with uh, photons or electrons uh, to the system we're trying to measure. Okay, that's over my head. Rather, it's more like the problem primatolo- primi- prim- primatologists encounter in field studies uh, of whether their presence, if noted by the primates, uh, uh, messes up their behavior. If your concern is not to change the natural behaviors of the development of alien citizens at any cost, your best bet is to stay home rather than explore new worlds. Uh, But page two of the article says it it does line line up with uh, strong moral intuitions that we should respect the autonomy of other cultures and strive not to inflict unintentional harms on them. It also bumps up against the fact that Star Trek is all about the ethical project of sharing a universe. Sharing a universe with another culture is a different kind of project than treating a culture as an object of study. I like this a lot. Sharing a universe uh, puts you in a different relationship than you would be with photons uh, you're trying to understand, you know, something like that. And there may be circumstances where choosing not to intervene with results in not going well. And there's a way that, which respecting autonomy by withholding information might be seen as a paternalistic move. Sharing the universe with other beings involves a reciprocity. Even if technological technological attainment is different, it means recognizing you are owed the same moral consideration. Uh, Maybe this is why the prime directive is not an, an exceptionalist rule. Even if Starfleet ought not to play God, nor use its superior technologies, ultimately ethics may require that we trust other civilizations to choose their own paths. Even as they grapple, this is direct with the possibilities presented by contact with Starfleet. Really, sharing a universe in itself isn't a kind of intervention. The trick is finding a way to share it on something like equal terms. So that's a great article. By, that's by Janet Stemwettel over on Forbes. Uh, so yeah, I guess uh, that I really that, and I'll link to it in the show notes. And good night.